We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Roto-Grinders Today. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Tuesday, September 5th, and we got tons of MLB action today. We'll be talking about that for DFS, for props, for Pick'em, and who better to talk about MLB than the guy behind the million-dollar musings here at Roto-Grinders. It's Dave Potts. Cheese is good. It's September, Dave. Are you are you sick of MLB and you're ready for football? Or is this the time of year where you're opining the fact that MLB is almost over and you're dreading football? No, um I I'm I'm ready for, for a break. Uh usually <laughs> we get to this time like it's it's a lot of uh if you add up whatever four thousand words a day times five days a week times however long it's been, it's it's a lot. Um and as I mentioned before, well, like fantasy baseball is my thing. In actual real life, I'm a football fan first. So I am absolutely ready for football season. But do you prefer MLB DFS? Correct. For, for DFS, I prefer baseball, yes. But as far as real life watching a sport, give me the football. Well, that to help uh, cheese along, seeing that you're writing 4,000 words a day for so long, hit that thumbs up button. Hit the thummy thumbs in the morning. You know how much I like those. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Obviously here, uh, you, you know, you wake up early in the morning, right? Just just like me to do this show, to write the million-dollar musings. In September, Dave, the, the call-up rule now is not that MLB teams don't have like 40 players. Like it used to be that September 1st came around and it's like create a player's galore. Like all over DFS, it's like, oh, anyone can play at any time. Now it's only one pitcher and one position player. Does that change any of your approach to playing DFS? Is the is the team playoff bound or not playoff bound? They out of the playoffs. Is there is there anything that you specifically 
change in your thinking of of lineup construction or what types of players, pitchers especially, that you play because September is kind of we're we're winding down. Yeah, the the short answer is no, because of what you said. It used to be they expanded to a forty man roster, active roster. Now it's like it's two players different. Theoretically, you can overanalyze the pinch hit risk of those few teams. Like you put one extra guy on the bench. Sure, the Jock Peterson is that much slightly more likely to get pinched hit for. And, you know, the teams that are out of the running, it's a little more chance that they start pulling guys in the blowout. But it's so, like, hard to pick out those things that essentially, no, I'm just going to assume whoever's playing that day, that's who's playing that day. Did, um, do you think pitch counts change? So or is, it is, is, there, is there an issue with certain pitchers? Yes, that, it's different that, for pitchers for sure. Okay, so so it's, when we have pitch counts here at Roto Grinders, like a lot of our projections for pitchers are, you know, built around like kind of this like mean or median pitch count. The bat may have a slightly different pitch count that they're going by than the plate IQ projections, but you know, from what I've seen at least, would it be true? I mean, this is just a hypothesis that teams that are dreadfully out of the playoffs, right? The the A's, the Rockies that they're much more likely to just let, as long as they're not like an ace pitcher, but of course, if they had ace pitchers, they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. They're more likely to, Ken Waldachuk is more likely to pitch 100 pitches, even if he's giving up 11 runs, because why the hell not? It's not like they need to win the game. Is there Are there also considerations on stud pitchers that they're saving for the playoffs, so maybe they only pitch 85 or 90 when it's possible? You know, they're up by four runs. It's like, Instead of giving an extra inning, let's save his arm. Is Are there any dynamics like that in September? Yeah, actually what you said is kind of the most interesting part of it. It's almost the exact opposite of the rest of the year, where the aces are always the guys with the pitch count ceiling. Um, but yeah, it actually does kind of flip. Really not quite yet, but really I would say the last two weeks of the season. If a team is definitely in the playoffs, and they have a six-run lead, and their ace has gone, 87 pitches through six innings, he's coming out. Whereas in May, he goes another inning for sure. Um, so that does kind of downgrade the expensive aces. And you can say the same thing really for aces on teams that are out of it. Um, anyone who's under team control in the future, like they don't want to burn out their guy for absolutely no reason. Um, so I do end up having a little more interest in cheaper pitchers when everyone's ceiling is essentially lowered. Um, and yeah, you even have a section, you have opposite. a section in million dollar musings for that called cheap nonsense. Exactly. And yeah, the cheap nonsense becomes more relevant. The later we get in the year, there it is cheap nonsense. Um, but like, Except so what you just Edric mentioned, Corbin is, is a, is a perfect example yeah. of cheap nonsense. Really tonight is a good example. There's two, there's the Patrick Corbin and you already mentioned Ken Waldachuk. Like these two guys exactly to what you said, are going to pitch, are, are going to. Most likely, they have a higher pitch count than if Mike Soroka actually starts for the Braves. Like, they're not going to push him. Um, even a guy like, you know, Dylan Cease or really even Framber Valdez. I mean, they don't really have a higher pitch count ceiling than Patrick Corbin tonight. Um, they're Patrick Corbin's still him but as far as what you said at the beginning yeah Corbin and Waldachuk if they're pitching even sort of fine 
there's no real reason not to just let them keep pitching. Um, and, yeah, but and it's also possible not really that you get you get 116 pitches and he still gives up eight runs. It is, uh, but it's not any more likely than him giving up eight runs on 12 pitches. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like it. All it does is raise the ceiling. Like his the the negative point floor for these cheap nonsense guys is there regardless of innings or pitch count. Um, how about how about on today's slate specifically? We'll talk about it. How about guys like Garrett Cole? I mean, I could bring up the projections here. I'm bringing up the bat projections. He's the highest projected raw points pitcher on the slate. Uh, do you consider the Yankees to be a playoff possible team? I mean, do any of these dynamics put into play? Because we we have we have expensive. I mean, Garrett Cole's 12K today on DraftKings, but then we have guys like like Brandon Fat, which I, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce his name. How do you pronounce? Is it? Fate? Fat, fat. <laughs> it's, it's. I'm pretty sure it's actually fought, um, but we call him P Fat for sure. But I mean, what's the difference between here? Like, like we have Garrett Cole as the highest uh, projected own pitcher today, uh, and you have to spend to get him. I'm not sure if you're gonna need the salary. Depends on the teams that you're stacking. But it feels like to me this is the type of slate looking looking at projections that maybe you don't have to spend that dramatically at pitcher, maybe, you know, Garrett Cole, I know he's facing the Tigers, which is like, you know, a bunch of free strikeouts, but is it worth, is, is Garrett Cole worth 4,000 more than like these other guys in like the seven, seven K, eight K range, the mid tier. Uh, The short answer there is sort of Um, really. I think the salary cap is actually really pretty great on this slate. Um, like they made it where you can't really play Cole with a brave stack or something like that, which is good. Uh, Cause if you could, that's just what everyone would do. Um, yeah, I think like points per dollar wise, you definitely don't need Cole. Um, he's not really a DFS ace as much as he's a real life ace at this point. Um, to me, this is one of those, I think you kind of build the rest of your lineup first. I mean, if you can afford him, just absolutely do it. I wouldn't worry about ownership at all with Cole, but I would absolutely worry about salary. Um, and there, there are not a lot of ways to get a good enough offense with a 12K pitcher today. So more of my lineups are not going to have Cole. So there's no vomit stack of the day like I like? Well, there's always those, um, but there's a lot of good stacks. Like the chances of like the slates where I really like what you consider to be the vomit stacks are the ones where I don't see a bunch of teams scoring 10 runs. Like it's more that I want the vomit stack that they can score seven runs and at their salary that can win a slate. I think it's a little less likely when you have a slate where there's a bunch of offense with super extreme upside like we have tonight also the combination is that that really you're playing vomit stacks because there's like two expensive pitchers that have slate breaking ceilings that the only way to fit them in is to play a team like the tigers or the pirates the royals or the a's and stuff like that and we yeah we really don't have that tonight like valdez doesn't really have that ceiling and then you know chris bassett is kind of the other obvious guy but you don't want to sacrifice everything to get Chris Bassett and Garrett Cole. Um, when, so, so like who, you already so, mentioned, 
So you who are the targets instead? So who so so do you consider do you consider PFAT? Do you consider him to be the main target? Because I mean, I think maybe depending on how you look at like short term versus long term, like I'm looking at the bat projections, which typically take much larger sample sizes into account. And it may be directly in conflict with your million dollar musings, but it seems Correct. to me that like you're much more likely to play a lot more fat than someone like Reed Detmers, who you even say in your article, like, yeah, if he does have a 26% strikeout rate long term, like he's too cheap, but uh, he's not looked good recently. Yeah, th this is one of those, like, you know, sometimes I rail against projections. It's not really that. It's just like, it's not the projections job to pick out short term things. Like it's kind of the, their job to do the long term stuff. Well, short term, Detmer's velocity is down. Strikeouts are down. Walks are up. He looks truly horrendous. Um, so if you just want to believe the projections, then you're going to play Detmer's. Um, personally, I don't want to play a guy who is pitching horribly with decreased velocity, especially if he's even moderately popular. Um, so I'm, I'm out on Detmers. Do, do you think uh, Detmers because of long-term projections are actually going to come in higher on than you think, or do you think it's going to be the, is which side strategically, because we have to think about this, especially for NFL, because you get very small sample size in NFL. Are you read this recency bias? People look and go, I don't care what the projections say. Reed Detmers looks horrible. I'm not going to play him. Or people just don't even care about short-term trends and like, well, Reed Detmers should be more expensive based on his long-term his long-term performance. Like if you're using the bad projections and you don't know anything about short-term anything, I mean, I just ran 150 lineups. You're playing Detmers. Right. I got 97% Reed Detmers. Yeah. And this is why I love MLB DFS. Because um, most people, I don't know about most, at least a small majority, um, I think more people just use projections. Uh, there, there a are plenty of people majority. on both sides. That, 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 that they, seems counter. By what I what I mean to say is slightly more than fifty percent. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> small majority is a weird way to phrase anything. Um, I think more people just use projections. Um, People who are hand building and looking at things the way I do are going to be are not going to be playing Detmers. That's where you'll get the the Brandon Fat PFAT ownership. Um, to be to be but, fair, Fat Fat actually pro projects. Yeah, in the I mean, really, a lot of projection builds will give you the two of them, Detmers with with Fat, which is would be fine if I like Detmers. Um, uh, my assumption is Fat will come in ahead of Detmers, but it will be very close in ownership. Um, and again, I, I'm personally out on Detmers. I think the very obvious build is Cole, if you can get him or Bassett, if you can't with, with fought, um, and it is conceivable. Like I wrote about in the musings, like maybe tonight's the night Detmers velocity comes back. Like even late in the year, guys go through swings with this stuff. Like you don't know. You said I, I remember Dave. I remember early in the season, everyone was telling me that Blake Snell was just done, that he should be out of the majors. And then he came back and he did great for a while. Yeah, like things come and go, obviously. Um, most likely, when it's something like velocity, 
that's different than the, the Blake Snell thing. It's like he can't find the strike zone. And so if he gives up one hit at the wrong time, he gives up six runs. If he doesn't give up the one hit at the wrong time, then he doesn't give up any runs to get to strikeouts. But with someone like Detmers, and I'll throw Brady Singer in the same mix, like there's an actual real reason why they're struggling. Their velocity is down. They're, they're different pitchers than they were a month ago. Um, and there's no rule that says they can't just come back tonight and it's back. But I need to see it personally. Um, so when, when I see bad pitching combined with an actual reason for it, like a velocity drop, that that's where I'm out on someone. The, the only other uh, pitcher that is coming up on uh, my run of bat projections, just using just five-man stack, very default type of settings, uh, is another another pitcher from your article, uh, Dean Kramer, that, I mean, you put him as a low strikeout pitcher, but, I mean, he's had he's had spikes before. This this Angels lineup, especially with Otani gone, like, like almost everyone in their lineup strikes out like a quarter of the time or more. Not, I mean, is Kramer an option? I mean, what is his upside? I mean, 8,600 seems a little pricey for him, but if you're not spending 12K on Cole, do you view Kramer as maybe below fat and maybe even below Bassett, who's 9,700? Is do you think Kramer has enough ceiling for DFS purposes at least? Sort of, because kind of nobody other than Cole really has ceiling. Um, it's it's one of these slates where the the kind of boring quality starts that Kramer's been getting, which I think is very much in play here again. Like, you know, six innings and four or five strikeouts. That's what I kind of pinpoint in the article. Like maybe he gets an extra strikeout or two from the matchup, but that's really still not his game, regardless of matchup. But yeah, I think he can get a quality start, um, which is a little overpriced. But like you said, if you're not playing Cole, you have to find two pitchers. Um, and there's really only two, basically Bassett and Fott are the only other two that I even kind of like. And it's not like I want to be all in on those guys. So yes, Kramer is is in the mix um, just for, even though I think it's air quotes overpriced for his realistic upside, he's totally fine. If he gets you that 20 point DK start, which is quite possible, like you'll gladly take that on this slate. Any concern with Bassett? I remember his last start, he pitched like almost seven innings and only had one strikeout. I, the only reason I know that is because I had his over four and a half uh, K prop and was wondering, like, it seems like he's pitching well, but just not striking anyone out. Is that just, just happened to be just an outlier occurrence? I mean, no, he's more in the, the Kramer vein. Like, he's really not a strikeout guy. He's much more a good real-life play for the quality start. Um, and it's a similar thing. Like, it's the matchup probably gives him an extra strikeout or two. Um, but you're really kind of overpaying for innings upside and hopefully run prevention. Um I don't think it's crazy to play Kramer instead of Bassett and use that whatever it is, $1,100 somewhere else. Um, but I do think Bassett is the better pitcher. And, but again, I, I think I just like fought better than both of them for the salary. I would rather just go cheaper and spend that money on bats. I mean, a lot of times with, with fought, it's just, it's the Colorado Rockies outside of Colorado 
and their lineup is yeah. dreadful. Like really, all three of these guys we're talking about just have really good matchups, and that's really what puts them all in play. Um, but when you look at the strikeouts, if we get what the projected lineups are, the Rockies are the highest strikeout lineup of any of them. It, it's a really, truly bad team. Like eight of the nine hitters are over 23% strikeouts and like seven of them are over like 28%. That's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, my, my lean is just save the money. Like we're playing, we're basically paying for good matchup. Um but it seems, it seems like this season, I mean, if you could just, if you played any pitcher against the Rockies or the A's or something, like, you typically did well. Yeah, you're doing fine. And and again, if it's not Cole, if Cole doesn't have the breakout game, it's kind of likely that nobody really has any sort of ceiling. I don't, I don't think we see a 30-point DK game out of anyone. So that's why I'm just perfectly happy with an okay quality start that doesn't have a bunch of strikeouts. How about stack-wise on DraftKings? I ran uh, bat projections, and I'm getting a lot of the Mets. I'm getting the Giants, the Yankees, the Royals, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks. Are am, am I in the ballpark of what you've been looking at? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this slate is that if salary were no thing, the Braves would be mega chalk, but it's such a thing. And they're so priced up that there's, you almost have to play like wall to Chuck and Corbin to even get a brave stack. Um, so I don't think the Braves are going to be popular, even though they're kind of like, obviously the best offense. So I do want to go out of my way to make sure I'm playing Braves, even though it's going to mean, just hoping that I get a cheap pitcher who doesn't go negative. Um, but otherwise, everything you said there, I think is correct. Like the, the wind in Wrigley is going to make the Cubs and the Giants popular. And I do like both of them. Uh, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I definitely like Alonzo and Lindor more than a full Met stack, but I'm fine with a Met stack. Um, Arizona, quite good. And then it's kind of a bunch of everybody. A bunch of everybody. What what a take. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the correct take in present day MLB. Like right. Well, really one is. of the thing one of the things in MLB DFS uh, from from a tools perspective. 
because we always feature here on, on the new show, Roto Grinders Today, uh, a, a tools concept that we have here at Roto Grinders. So you could sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. You get line up HQ, you get all of our content, get Dave's million dollar musings in MLB. Just click on that link in the description, get $10 off your first month. And uh, being that you're, you're the first guest on the first show, I think the most highlighted tool or option that we have that I think me and you both were the ones that are responsible for them implementing is that OIS button or checkbox in lineup HQ. Dave, do you want to take a second to, uh, to tell the audience what exactly does OIS stand for? Why do we use it? And, uh, and why, what, how do you use it? And why would one choose to only play certain batters and stacks? Yeah, I think it's like you said, I, I think this is the best thing that's been, I mean, it's been three or four years since it's been on lineup HQ. I, I think it's the best thing there for MME with stacks. Um, essentially, if you check the OIS box only in stacks, whatever player you click is only going to be used in stacks where you've got other teammates. You're never going to get that guy on his own as the only player on his team. So essentially, that's what I do when I'm hand building. I get to that just organically. Like I know I don't want to use this guy unless it's in a stack, so I don't put him in. But when you're building a bunch of lineups with an optimizer, you'll get a whole bunch of like low power, low speed guys that project well because of team context, but that you don't really want unless their team is doing well. So the shortest way to say it is anyone who doesn't have power or speed, I don't want outside of the stack. Um, and and for, 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 for context, contextual purposes that optimizers, lineup builders are primarily just knapsack problem solvers. They're trying to get like, this mean number in the FPTS column, the highest as possible, but that doesn't take into consideration any type of correlation, any type of ceiling, any type of ownership. So like based on the point per dollar value, like if you run a lot of lineups, you may get 2K Tim LaCastro as a one-off in a lot of lineups because he's just so cheap for a 7.15 mean projection. You may get, you know, Mark Vientos, third base, or you may get Ryan McKenna. I mean, there's a lot of these cheapy guys where in order to fit in Acuna, raw points in your lineup, you need one of these guys. Uh, so is this the primary use of, like, you just go to Tim LaCastro and go, uh, yeah, unless he's in a Mets stack, I'm just going to click this button. Yeah. The, and like I don't the get him as a way to do it, if you don't know – anything about baseball like you don't know these player names you don't know people's skill set like they're all just names on a page to you the simplest way to do it is just take all of the lowest projected guys and just say in stack only just to be safe um the way i do it i, I do it position by position and essentially you can find a cutoff line of players that are just better than everyone else at the position that you would be happy to have on their own and everyone below that just OIS. Uh, like, I don't think you can really use that button enough. Like, so for instance, be, at, third, for instance at third base, Dave. So we have like rough and raw point projection. You have like Austin Riley, Christopher Morrell, Manny Machado, Alex Bregman, Ryan McMahon, JD Davis, Nolan Gorman. You're like, you take a look at the top and go, well, if I have an Austin Riley $5,800 one off, like, he could hit two home runs and right. 
that's fine. But like, you don't want to go all the way to the bottom to like Emmanuel Rivera's $2,800 against Freeland. Like, no, like exactly. Don't have so, him. Don't have him be the one off. Right. And it is useful if you have a few cheaper guys who you're willing to put in as a one-off, like, like the JD Davis thing today, he's sitting there for you. Um, anyone in this Wrigley win game gives you a few things that we don't always get with guys who have home run upside at a cheap price. Ideally I'd like to have, it's usually all the expensive guys are obvious. Like any day you'll have Austin Riley or Manny Machado or Alex Bregman. Sure. Um, but if you can get like a JD Davis, um, I actually have Mark Vientos playable as a one-off today because he's a guy with some power against Corbin and he's super cheap. Everyone below him. Um, is going to get the checkbox today. Um, and even above Vientos, the more expensive guys like, you know, Michael Garcia, David Schneider, Gunnar Henderson, Nolan Arnato, those guys are getting the OIS today. Um, there's not match. a correct answer for it, but to me, the fewer players that I want as one-offs, the, the better. Like I want to just know who I'm getting outside of my stacks. Another way of using the OIS button strategically is maybe something that I do more of than you do, Cheese, is that very, very highly owned batters that are more likely to be in highly owned stacks. So like a lot of times I do not play Ronald Acuna. You know, let's say it's a six-game slate or something. It's not that big. And Ronald Acuna is like 38% owned. And the Braves are like the second highest owned stack that I may just click the OIS button on Acuna and say, well, if Acuna does well, it's more likely that all the Braves did well. And if the Braves are going to be owned anyway, like I don't want 38% owned Acuna as my one-off in and stack some other team. So I don't have to click the OIS button on many players. Like on, on today's slate, I don't, as of right now, our ownership doesn't have like anyone that fits that description. But when it gets to that point of like, oh, everyone's playing this game. Everyone's playing cores and, you know, the White Sox are in cores and Eloy is 3,500 still and he's going to be 40% owned. It's like, no, I'll play him in a White Sox stack, but not on his own. Do you do you do any of that? Or that since I play in a much more ownership based strategy that you care more about my one-offs need to have power and could get there on their own and you don't care what the rest of the stack does. Right. What I'll say is I'm my much pickier. If someone is, is high owned, I'm much pickier about whether I'm going to use them or not, but if they're the best play, they're the best play. And I don't mind that they're high owned because the things around them, uh, assuming I'm not playing just chalk everything else, I don't mind having chalky one off or two. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have any disagreement with the way you do it either. Uh, but I think you're definitely right. We just kind of view the ownership a little bit differently as far as one-offs. Right. I don't I don't, it's not like I use it that often. It's like a very specific cases, especially on smaller slates where yeah. getting different means a lot more. Yeah. Because but like you said are be chalky. Today, uh, sometimes we just have slates where there really is no chalk. I, I think that's the case today. Like we've got those five or six teams that are all relatively obvious. And it's going to get spread out that I don't think there's anyone you have to fade because of ownership at this point. Okay. So for today's MLB slate, either DraftKings or FanDuel, I probably play primarily on DraftKings. 
Is there a specific fantasy angle of the day? Something that you will be doing abundantly in your lineups, a team that you'll be playing more of, a pitcher you'll be playing more or less of. Uh, is 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 that is that fat or is that is that a stack that you're playing? I mean, what's what is Jesus' fantasy angle of the day? Uh, well, I give you two things that we we talked about. It's definitely on the pitcher side. It, it is P fat. Um, like that's that's who I'm playing. On the hitter side, it's going to be actually. We discussed this Reed Detmers thing. I, I think there's a chance he's just broken and or finished. Uh, so the Orioles stack is is my my play of the day. Um, taking the fact that Detmers has been awful and the velocity's down, if that continues, um, I, I I want all the Orioles I can get, and I do think they're pretty pretty well off the radar. Um, and then with the you know, kind of popular things. Again, I, it's all bunched together. Um, so my lean is actually to play a bunch of power one-offs from those popular teams and not worry about the ownership because I think it's spread out. So I want to play a stack like the Orioles, um, you know, sneakier. And then just, I'll, I'll just use if, you know, Pete Alonzo or Acuna or Seiya Suzuki or Jock Peterson or Aaron Judge and not worry about the ownership at all. Well, especially at that point, if you're leveraging against, you believe, you believe Detmers is going to get higher ownership than he should be getting. Yeah. And even at 0% ownership, I just think he's bad right now. And people aren't going to play the Orioles. Does it dissuade you with Detmers being that his, his prop lines across the industry are like, over five and a half is like minus 140, minus 145. Well, so, no, this is something I say a lot, and it, it, it always sounds like I must be joking, but I'm not. Like, I don't plan to win today anyway. Like, <laughs> if we get the good Detmers, great. Like, I'm probably not going to win today anyway. Like, I'm playing for, let's say he is actually broken and the velocity keeps dropping, then I'm going to win. Uh, if, if he comes back, if he bounces back, I won't be stunned at all. I just won't. My Orioles stacks will just lose, and oh well, I'll play tomorrow. Right, but your your opinion based on based on your experience is that you believe that the market is overvaluing his long term performance, and that because of the velocity drop, that compared to the market, that you'd be under Detmers and say maybe he's a little bit more likely to be broken than to be normal. That is exactly correct. Okay. And, and, and like, again, I always want to say, I don't know. I have no, I don't know Reed Detmers personally. Um, he might be totally fine and maybe it comes back. Uh, but I, I see a reason to actively play against him and not use him. And given that most people just use projections and aren't going to see that, that's all the better. So I think that's something to monitor throughout the day. If you're building your MLB lineups, I think the Reed Detmers ownership, the the higher that Detmers is owned, I mean, geez, you 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 penned what I refer to a lot of times, no matter the sport, as the Robbie Ray rule, mm-hmm. right? The types of pitchers that they could go out and strike out 10. They could also go out and walk six and give up 10 runs in one inning. Uh, I think Detmers fits that mold in its current context today that, I told you Detmers was 2% owned. I'm using an extreme. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you play some Detmers, but if you, if I told you Detmers was 47% owned, 
you're like, I don't want to take on that much variance. You'd rather you'd rather succeed when he fails than than in the middle. You have to judge it. So I think if you see towards the end of the day that oh maybe Detmer's ownership is actually going down, that makes you a little bit more enticing to play Detmer's. But your your attitude is because of projections and long term performance that people are just gonna see his projection at that price and. He ends up being 20, 25% owned, and you'd rather have you'd rather not have much of that. Correct. Yeah. Like it's it, uh, the way you're saying it is right. Like, I don't know what Reed Detmers is going to do tonight. I I truly don't. I know what looks to me like the chance that there's something wrong with him is not being priced in by the market. Well, talking about the markets, uh here on Roto Grinders. If you're playing on prize picks on underdog, the pick'em sites, we do have a fantasy pick'em tool, which uh, gets updated multiple times a day for all the sports, NFL, college football, NHL, NBA, uh, MLB. It's directly tied to uh, our Roto-Grinders projections. And uh, you could sort by what's available at prize picks, what's available at underdog. And it'll compare to our statistical projections and tell you, you know, based on our projections what the win percentages of each uh each projection on prize picks and underdog is so you can get that with a combo premium package and then we also have this uh props and pick them uh package just alone standalone that you don't even have to hey maybe you're not playing good DraftKings or FanDuel. maybe you, you're doing more props well you get all of our uh analysts uh summaries and and wagers and everything here the props and pick them package. And I want to highlight one from Keith Eister, right? I put as my prop angle of the day, because also the bat projections do agree. Uh, he has put down earlier, earlier in the morning, uh, Dean Kramer over four and a half strikeouts at minus 148. Uh, that line is actually the, the number has moved on most books, but on bet MGM Kramer's over five and a half K's pays 120 so it's plus 120 so you're getting plus money uh which is about the same as uh over four and a half minus 148 so hey kramer i mean against this this angels lineup uh i mean i wouldn't i a number worse than plus like plus 100 i wouldn't do it then but uh if you we go along with keith uh i i do have i do have on Prize picks and underdog. I do have Kramer's over five, but obviously on the normal prop markets, you can't, you know, you don't have the the even numbers, but I think plus 120 over five and a half. And I think Dave, now, although I think his his normal range of outcomes in this spot, is, you, you said even in the musings is like four to six strikeouts. Yeah, like I would, if you just asked me to guess at the number, I would say he probably gets five. Um, but getting a plus number on five and a half, I think is reasonable. Um, if we assume the projected lineup, assume he gets his six innings. I mean, yeah, he can get six strikeouts. I, that's that's one. I, I think it's about right. Okay. Jeez. Where can people find you online? And uh, once MLB is over, I mean, do you just go into hibernation? Like no picks, no nothing, no articles. You're done. Five, four thousand. If I did the calculator, four thousand words a day for what six months? That's like 180 days. 
right? That means you've oh, you only have, five days a week. Five days a week. Okay, so uh, five days a week times what? Uh, the how many weeks? Twenty-five or twenty-six. Twenty-five, so one hundred and twenty-five. So that means you've written like a half a million words, something like that. And a lot of them are jabroni. So if you take out the word jabroni, I've written you know two hundred thousand words. But yeah, it's a lot. But uh, during um, NFL season, uh, pe- people just you just go into hibernation. Yeah, so I don't do any any content for sports other than baseball. Theoretically, someday I might decide to do some hockey content. That's actually a sport I actually know something worthwhile about. Um, but the world doesn't really need all that much hockey content. Um, so yeah, basically I play DFS in the off season, but you really won't see me much again until next April. Uh, if things go according to plan, even me, I won't even be able to see you. Even outside. I mean, you, you come over anytime you want. Like if you want to come have some barbecue, like <laughs> that that would be great. Um, I will definitely take you around on a barbecue tour of Auburn. Um, but yeah, the content wise, I don't really have much to add for all these other sports. Um, so, well, you can always follow uh, Dave Cheese is good on Twitter. Hit that thumbs up button, thummy thumbs. On your way out the door, hit that subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, we got Grinders Live later today, 5 p.m. Eastern. Jeez, uh, are you going to be on Crunch Time tonight? Um, No. Okay, but, some, but someone equally equally as smart yeah. as you will be on Crunch Time. I, I believe, I don't know who's on, but there will be two, two people plus a Roth tonight for sure. Plus a Roth, a Roth. I can't say which one for sure, but a Roth will be there. <laughs> So tune in then, uh, sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium, get uh, Dave's million-dollar musings every weekday in MLB, and uh, you can sign up for everything here. Combo Premium, we got college football going on, college basketball will be coming back, NBA will be coming back. Why not get everything all in one package? Rotogrinders.com slash premium. Click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month, and I'll see you tomorrow where we break down the day in DFS props and pick them every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on Roto Grinders today. 